Hey everybody, this is a new episode of Cows and Canoes. My name is Brandon Hines, and I decided to fly a little more solo for the day. Um, I've been thinking about it, and you know, there's there's always conversations to be had, and it's always interesting to get lots of opinions and talk a lot. And I started watching some um, Tiny Desk concerts and things like that, and it's really interesting to hear just people's opinions. Uh, without having a two-way conversation. And everything I've done up to this point on all of my podcasts have been two-way conversations. So I figured it'd be fun to kind of go one-sided for a little while and uh, see how this kind of works out. So I'll kind of start with one of the the big things that uh, is going on right now. Really, um, I've been paying attention to it, and I've been trying to work through my head. Um, and, you know, we're going to jump a little more political right now to start with, just because that's where my head is at right now. Um, you know, I watched some of the late night stuff, and I don't think, I mean, a lot of it makes really good TV, right? It's just so far outside the box, you know, everybody loves a car wreck, and that's what's happening right now in the country, which is totally fine, part of the game. But... I can hear a child screaming, and I'm all. I just started podcasting. This is how this all works: is there's always a child screaming somewhere. All right, I guess I'm gonna go check on that. And I'm back. So that was fun. Um, all the time, every time we try to podcast, a child has to wake up. That one was a twin who um, I couldn't even understand what exactly what the issue was, but they went upstairs and. I got her in bed with mom, and she's all good to go. Um, so anyways, we were talking about um, politics right now are on my mind. And it's such a weird situation, this country as a whole, what's actually happening. So for anybody that's not huge into politics, which I don't want to say I'm huge into politics, but I do pay attention. And you know, I think everybody has a right to pay attention. I think you should know what's going on. Um, because whoever's leading the country does make an impact. You know, obviously you can't vote every senator in and out, um, because they all have districts that are all kinds of screwed up, which we can talk about some other time. Um, but most of the time you have your local elections that matter. You have a senator, which in most places are going to be whatever color your states align up with, which is ridiculousness. And then you have a president and the president doesn't even necessarily have to have, the majority of the country vote for him. You just really need the six key states to vote for him. And as long as they do that, then everything else is, you know, he wins. And it's a, it's ridiculous. So, um, beer. So, looking at the current state of things, Trump is, is the president. I'm not one of those guys that says, like, oh, you know, he should not be president, blah, blah, blah. Under the current system... He is president. Got it. Cool. Did he deserve to be president? Not necessarily. People wanted change. He was the route. It happened. Um, you know, has he done a good job? Yes and no. Uh, he's not significantly screwed anything up, but at the same time, he has not, um, you know, crashed the economy per se. You know, he he's kind of middle of the road when it comes to actual execution. Now, how much of that actually has to do with the president? Really, honestly, none, right? You have both sides of the law coming from, you know, the House and the Senate. 
doing their entire thing, checks and balances, what have you. The only thing the president is really good for is being the the face of the country. That is a person that represents us to the rest of the world, right? It's kind of that like you take your best and you put them on display and everybody sees it. And that's what really matters, right? So is Trump a good national spokesperson? To that, I say no. Because if you take what you want in somebody representing you, you're not going to take the most possible vain person you know, right? You're not going to take that guy who personally says he's the best at everything, right? You're going to try to find somebody a little more humble to represent. That way you have somebody who has a clear line for what's going on. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that a lot of people miss out on. They don't pay attention to whether or not this is a good spokesman for our company, right? Like, if you have a company and you have somebody you're paying to do marketing, right, you don't want the Kellyanne Conway. That's just not how this works. You want somebody that's going to be able to articulate, be able to answer questions where people are satisfied with them. Whether it's true or not is is irrelevant, right? When you listen to people like Kellyanne Conway, she just goes off. She goes down a rabbit hole. You have no idea what the fuck she's talking about most of the time. Even when you do, she's not answering the questions, right? So, great example. Um, she had an interview a couple of days ago, which you know I'm sure is all over the place nowadays, where she was asked very, very easy questions. It wasn't complicated. Um, it's, you know, with the timeline that was going on, you have, you know, the aid being promised back in February. It was held until September 11th, which is two days after the news broke about the whistleblower, right? The whistleblower happened back like two months prior to that. So they're asking, is there a correlation? Did they only release the funds after the whistleblower um, because they were like, oh shit, we screwed up? Or like, why was it in that time frame? Instead of being able to give an answer to that, she goes, well, but the fact is that they now have the funding. That's what you need to pay attention to. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. Attempted murder is still attempted murder. Like, that's not, it has nothing to do with whether or not the outcome matched the the reasoning beginnings, you know? Um, so, back to the original point, Trump is the spokesman of this country. And that's a problem, right? People need to pay attention to that being an issue. Um it's literally that one cousin you have at a barbecue who gets fucked up every day um, saying like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to represent the family here whenever I go do this. You're like, fuck that. That is not the person representing the family. So that's the issue you run into politically right now is that, you know, do I think Trump should be president? No. Um, do I think he's using it for personal gain? Absolutely. Do I think that, um, you know, he's broken all kinds of laws by putting his family in position to make more money while being in office? Absolutely. Um, do I think he should have been able to promote, you know, Jared Kushner to try to solve peace in the Middle East? Absolutely fucking not. He has no experience in the realm, right? These are all decisions that are made because they're going to enhance his own family's wealth. And that's the problem. Um, as for whether or not he should be impeached, Yes, I think that he is well beyond the fact of, you know, did he commit a crime? And if he did commit a crime, does it line out for impeachment? And that answer is unequivocally yes. The problem is, and this is where a lot of people haven't really paid attention to, 
the vice president becomes president if impeached and removed from office. Now, you can be impeached and not removed, which isn't uncommon, but it's a possibility. Um, Mike Pence would be a terrible fucking president. Um, you know, he's a pro-conversion therapy, super, super hard right-winger um, that is not even close to somebody who you want representing your country. Um, he's the guy that, you know, Bible-thumping... Um, is an understatement. You know, he's smacking people with Bibles, not in the good way. You know, like, there are certain times where the Bible is going to line up and teach a moral that you want people to understand and know. He's the guy that's cherry-picking the bad shit and saying, everybody needs to follow this, right? Um, so that's what worries me, is that let's say Trump does um, get, you know, impeached or whatever— there is no real good evidence to say that Mike Pence will be a good president at all. You know, he seems to be a terrible person, let alone terrible president. So that's, I think, what's worrying me the most. So, beer. That's actually the Voodoo Ranger, by the way, from uh, New Belgium. Uh, it's a fairly good IPA. I don't dislike it. Um... I think they're capitalizing on it. I think the original is way better than most of the ones that are out there. Um, so time to switch over to local Coop F5. So, original point. Trump getting impeached, good. Mike Pence becoming president, bad. What do you do? I don't fucking know, right? Like, a lot of people want to try and hold off until the election happens. I don't think that's a bad idea. I think that holding off until the election actually kicks off uh, is a solid option. The downside to this, though, um, is you can still wreck a country in another two years or a year and change or whatever the hell it is. So I think there needs to be a better middle ground for what's actually happening. And, and like, there's no real way to, to achieve that. But to make this country become great again, which is what the MAGA hats are, that's what the people really wanted— Here's really the blueprint for that. Number one, you have to get away from the facts of, you know, bullshit elections, right? And I say that across the board. I think we need to get rid of um, gerrymandering, which is um, just the biggest issue, I think, in, in every level of government right now, right? Being able to choose your voters rather than the voters choose their, their people is a problem. It was, we were founded on majority rules. Um, but since then, it's changed so dramatically and so drastically uh, that it doesn't have to be majority rules. It just has to be the, you know, um, the most districts won. And that's not a democracy. And we are a republic. And a lot of people say, oh, like, oh, we're not a democracy. We're a, uh, you know, democratic republic. Yes, that is accurate. But the theory behind it is still the same is that you are representing 500 people. If 500 people say go one way and you choose to go the other, that's a problem. So you don't have any kind of representation behind that. Um, number one, we have to get rid of gerrymandering. Number two, to fix what's going on right now, um, we really need to be focusing on getting the people that actually represent the populace into action. You know, there's not enough teachers, scientists, um, just real job people. 
you know, you have a lot of people that are career politicians. That shit's got to go. You know, we need term limits. Um, and I say that across the board. Take your pick. The reason the president wasn't in position for X many years, you know, originally Washington's kind of set the standard with two terms. Um, and then FDR kind of fucked that up um, for a little while. Um, but we have to get to a point where it's like, listen, you only represent for so much time. You know, with that time, you need to use it wisely. Not, I'm going to focus on re-election. I think that, honestly, if you said, hey, listen, you're getting a six-year term, no re-election, you got to get shit done, I think we would have a better response for what's actually going on. The other side of things is money in politics is bribery. It's straight bribery. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, if you spend money to influence somebody's voting, that's a bribe. Right, there's no reason we have so many politicians that are only getting paid a couple hundred thousand a year living in three and four or five, you know, twenty million dollar homes. They shouldn't be able to make twenty million dollars because other people are paying them to create a bill, right? We are now allowing money to run our politics. And it's not just Republicans, it's not just Democrats, it's everybody. It's the entire fucking spectrum, which is in Insane. Money needs to be taken out of politics. I think honestly, um, they would. If it was me, I would actually say, "Hey, listen, guys. Here's how the game runs. Uh, you're gonna get paid this much to do this job. If your income is more than X percent higher than that, and it cannot be justified, you're gonna be jailed for bribery. Right? This is corruption at its core. This is how we're not gonna do this game. And then I would get any of those special interest groups the fuck out of there. Right? If they want to come in and say, hey, listen, we have these issues and we want to talk about them and there's this this thing we want to present and blah, 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 cool, absolutely. Come in, sit in front of Congress, propose your plan. At that point, then yeah, we'll listen, we'll talk or whatever. But for you to write a bill and me to back it and you're going to give me, you know, two and a half million dollars to do so, go fuck yourself, right? That's bribery. That doesn't fly in any other company in the world, but for some reason it flies in our Congress, which is f- ridiculous. So, politics. That's where that's going. Now that's off my chest. Um, I was watching Tiny Desk Concert, which I think is a fantastic idea, which is um, NPR puts on a thing that is like... Literally, the offices they work in, they give you kind of a cubicle and uh, let you do your music and they record it and, you know, whatever. Really fun. And I was watching and listening to, um, first I I listened to Macklemore's from like six years ago because I was like, oh, this has got to be interesting. It was. um, It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. Um, His was kind of just like straight music, not a lot of story. The next one up was Taylor Swift which she had recently done it more than that. I think it was, like, within the last, like, three months. I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll I'll see it. And, like, a lot of people hate on Taylor Swift because of her, you know, personal life and her, all the other issues that go with it. I don't care. Like, I really don't care about your personal life, right? I think every good rock band, emo band, you know, pop punk band, uh, you know, whatever singer that has earned their own merit writes her own music, does 
all of their own stuff. Sorry, hiccups. Not hiccups, weird off hiccup burps. Um, anybody that writes their own music automatically gets a pass in my book. I don't care how good or how bad it is, but you don't understand it until you've done it. Um, and Taylor Swift is one of those people that she writes her own stuff. 100%, she has collaborators who help her with the music arrangements, maybe some lyrical changes, but by and large, she does her own thing. I can't hate on that. you know. And as she's doing the uh, Tiny Desk concert, she's talking about the stories, and that's what I find really interesting is that she actually you know, not only cares about her music, understands it, um, knows how it's written, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, she, she's like, you know, this is the way I originally wrote it. It was on this. It wasn't this. It didn't have all the extra stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was interesting, you know, having those stories behind things is always cool. Brand new is one of my favorite bands that are out there. And, uh, I've listened to a lot of different, uh, albums they've had, recordings of live stuff they've done. And when like, uh, Jesse Lacey is talking about, how this song was written and why it was written and all that kind of stuff. It had a lot of parallels to what Taylor Swift is doing. So I don't necessarily hate on Taylor Swift. I don't necessarily like, I'm going to go buy an album. Um, but I find it interesting enough that it's going to keep my attention. I think that's what matters. So where I was going to go with all of this is music has really become a like identity for a lot of people. You know, and it's, it's always been that way, I think. You know, when you talk about like... Uh, you know, if you say, oh, like, Grateful Dead, who listens to the Grateful Dead, you know, uh, you know, and, and the answer is automatically and be like, oh, that's stoner music. Um, so music has identified for people, and I find that really interesting. Um, you know, there's a girl that uh, sent me a message on Facebook the other day that was like, uh, hey, what's that band you used to listen to in high school? Um, and it's like 15 years ago, and I was like, ah, it's probably brand new. And uh, she's like, oh, my God, that's it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I assume that was what it was. You know, and I, I didn't realize how much that I identified with that music or people identified that music with me until that moment, which was only a couple of days ago. Uh, and I find it interesting, you know, because brand new, um, you know, they transitioned through so many different things. And I kind of grew up with it at the same time they were writing it. So... You know, I understood the first album was very, I'll call it high school drama, um, which is, you know, everything, you feel everything a whole lot. Um, you know, you don't have small feelings in high school. That's what a lot of people forget about, you know, whether it be parents or whether it be friends or anything like that. Um, I feel that when you're younger and you're experiencing these emotions for the first time, you experience them much more intense um, you not just feel it, but like you fucking feel it, right? Like songs will hit you at the core. And whenever you like latch onto that, you just roll and you're like, oh my God, like I get it completely. I get every word that's in this song. This song is my life, you know, and you're, you're feeling it to the, the depth of what you are. And then you kind of push past that. And then like the second album is kind of, um, trying to figure out who, who we are as, as a person. This is like early twenties and, um, you know, you're, you're trying to like identify small stuff and that identifying small stuff is really tricky as well. You know, you don't feel things as deeply, um, cause you tend to, um, you try to think about them more and try to understand the depth of what, what your mind is trying to do on them. 
right? At first, it's just all feeling, and then you start to think about it. And, and when you begin to think about it, the feeling kind of dulls a little, and, you know, does this make sense? Like, why would I do that? Like, how is that making any sense? Blah, 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 blah. And then you kind of go past that into more of a mature age, um, which is going to be like your mid-20s when you start to understand um, there's more to it than just, you know, this deep feeling, and there's more to it than just uh, is it good, is it bad, whatever. And it kind of gets into this little weird experimental range, and you start to try to figure it out. And You know, there there's always these stories behind all of that, and good, well-written music is all about the story, and I think that's what's really fun. Um, and, you know, there there's always these songs that... You know, people always talk, like, I play guitar. I played guitar for, um, I don't know, let's see, 1999, like 20 years. Um, so I've been playing for a long time. That doesn't mean I'm any good. It means that I can get by. Um, but there's always, you know, those songs that people always identify with or always know. You know, if you're in a crowd full of white people, you know, and, and they're in their mid 30s and 40s and all that, and you put on Sweet Caroline, you're going to get some badass, ba, 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 you know, um, whereas if you get, uh, you know, some people that grew up around uh, the early 90s rap, and you put on, like, Gangster's Paradise, you're going to have 90 people, you know, running that song, so, you know, that that's what's really fun to me, is that I think the stories behind things um, are, are just my thing. Um, some songs don't even have to have a good story. They just should be really catchy, I think, is what Sweet Caroline is. Like, I actually don't know if it's been like, oh, dude, Sweet Caroline, like, I understand that one completely. You know, you're like, oh, Sweet Caroline. You're like, this is a great fucking song. You know, El Scorcho is in that boat for me. I love El Scorcho, even though, um, like, I get it. It It's still just, it's one of those songs that makes me feel good. makes me like, like, yeah, dude, I fucking love this song. You know, so... Coupe F5 is a good beer, by the way. Um, I have my guitar in hand. Um, I'm thinking we're going to try to play it. I don't know how this is going to sound. I don't really care how it's going to sound. I don't know if anybody's actually going to listen to this ever, but if you do, here's me playing El Scorcho by Weezer. Um, and Dashboard Confessional actually covered it once, and um, I really liked it. Um, the Dashboard cover was kind of... Um, on a scale of like one to ten, I'd give it a solid eight, um, just because it was well produced, which helps. And then um, the lead singer of Dashboard has a really good voice, and it, it lines up really well. So I'm gonna look up lyrics real quick, just so I don't fuck it up too much. Um, I think I know them, but you know, uh, stage fright. Let me see what this says. L. Scorcho. Lyrics. Boom. All right. Let's jump in here. Let's go to AZ lyrics. I've always found AZ I like because it's just simple. Um, it doesn't have a lot of other you know crap in the way, which is nice. Um, so if you look up lyrics, AZ lyrics seems to be the uh, the better option. Oh, the other thing about El Scorcho, what I love, uh, there's like there's two chords for the majority of it, um, and then there's a small breakdown that has four chords. So like. It's not even chords, it's power chords. So you have six locations of power chords and you can play this entire goddamn song. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into this bitch. Let's see how it sounds. Let's see. I'm going to put this right about there. So I'm going to have to be a little loud, I guess. Let's hear. Yeah, that sounds okay. Okay. 
buddy Nick and I used to sing this for giggles. God damn you half Japanese girls Do it to me every time Oh, the redhead said you'd shred the cello And I'm jello, baby You won't talk, won't look, won't think of me I'm the epitome, public enemy Why you wanna go and do me like that? Come down on the street and dance with me I'm a lot like you So please, hello I'm here, I'm waiting I think I'd be good for you And you would be good for me Well, I asked you to go to the Green Day concert you said you never heard of them How cool is that? So I went to your room Read your diary Watching grunge leg drop New Jack through a press table And then my heart starts listening to Cho-Cho Sands Fall in love all over again I'm a lot like you So please, hello I'm here, I'm waiting No, I think I'd be good for you And you would be good for me As stupid as it, I can't talk about it I gotta sing about it and make a record of How stupid is it? Won't you give me a minute? Just come up to me and say hello. How stupid is it for all to know you want me to? Maybe you just don't know what to do. Maybe you're scared to say I'm falling for you. Suck that one. Well, I wish I could get my head out of the sand I think we'd make a good team You would keep my fingernails clean That's just a stupid dream that I won't realize Cause I can't even look in your eyes Without shaking, and I ain't faking I'll bring home the turkey if you bring home the bacon I'm a lot like you, so please Hello, I'm here, I'm waiting No, I think I'd be good for you And you would be good for me I think the guitar is out of tune, by the way uh, So, that's a really fun song, uh, Beer And uh, I think because, you know, growing up and when I was in the military especially, I used to go out to these clubs, these bars. Uh, clubs, I think, a strong word. Um, I got to these bars that had lots of really heavy, uh, like, sing-along styles where I didn't realize at the time, but now I realize that whenever I say sing-along styles is that um, if, if people can get into it and they can enjoy it, then I kind of gravitate towards it. So there's always these songs that people know, right? And I think I started talking about it for a second ago. 
Um, if I play Hotel California, like people just know that fucking song, you know, and they can sing along to it. And I think I really just enjoy sing along songs. And you know, for a lot of those musicians, sing along songs are going to be things like, uh, uh, God, I don't even know what other people play actually. Trying to think about it, like, oh yeah, other people play. I don't fucking know what other people play. Um, I know what I play, and I think that's that's what really matters. Is that I think most of the songs that I play, my friends know, and I'm okay with that. Um, you know, even songs they don't know. A lot of people don't know El Scorcho. Um, Whiskey in the Jar is really fun um, because it has interactive pieces. Whiskey in the Jar, um, it's an old Irish song, but the Dubliners did it as well. Um, Metallica did a cover. Thin Lizzy did a color, uh, cover, not a color. Um, and they have this part, and it's Masha Ring Damadu Damada. You know, and you clap four times. It's like whack for the daddy-o. Whack for the daddy-o. There's whiskey in the jar. And uh, I was in San Diego, and I went to an Irish pub, and, like, the entire bar knew this song. So you had, like, 70 people doing the clapping for that song at the same time. And it was very reminiscent of, like, concerts when you go to, and it's not just, like, you know, music-based concert when I say that, like, uh, EDM or DJs or something like that. When you have that, you know, band up on the stage that's playing, and they, they have this energy about them and everybody is feeling that energy and they know the songs and they're going deep like i saw brand new great example once again and they were um they played they started jude law in a semester abroad and it was just the lead singer who started it um and he's playing the uh, guitar part um and you know jude law in a semester abroad is a fantastic song and like the crowd took off he quit playing he wasn't singing it he wasn't playing the guitar the crowd was just singing it all together at once, you know, and, and it's a lot of people go to church for that community aspect. And I really feel like that's what that was. Like when people sing uh, church songs together because like how it makes them feel, I think that's the direct correlation for like when, when a group of people at a concert get into a song and they start singing it and it gets deep um, and like everybody knows it and they're just, they're just going to town. That's a form of church. And like a lot of people say, like, oh, that's a form of worship. So worshiping a false god. Uh, go fuck yourself, man. That's a sense of community. When you can actually sing together and you get community going at the same time, it is so fucking good. It it feels good to have other people right there beside you singing it and just going to town. It's not about worship. It's not about idolizing anybody. It's about you know, personally how you feel about a certain subject or a certain song or what happens. Um, and it, it's just really, really fun to get into that boat. So, you know, I guess what I'm saying is that uh, good music um, really goes a long way in in everybody's life and everybody's um, vision and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of want to play another song, not that I sing any good and not because anything else, just because um, I really enjoy it. Um, I haven't played guitar very much lately, you know, between the children and the podcasting and the work and everything else. Um, my love for music kind of kind of dies out, and uh, that's sad to me. Um, so what should I play? Um, I keep talking about brand new. I guess I should play some brand new. Um... Probably the boy who blocked his own shot. 
Um, that was a very formative song for me. Um, once again, I'm going to pull up the uh, song, Boys. Who? Oh, helps if you can spell. Who? Blocked his own shot. Um, so the boy who blocked his own shot is a half step down. I'm not going to detune down to make it happen. Um, but, you know, I don't want to get too crazy deep on my own feelings because I'm not usually that guy, but it is an interesting thing. Um, so I, when I was growing up and whenever I, um, really got past my first relationship, which, you know, my first actual real relationship lasted, um, quite some time. We had an apartment together, you know, early on in life and all that kind of stuff. Um, and she kind of just, you know, up and left one day and went gay and it was crazy. Um, bought me a guitar and then like three weeks later, whenever she uh, broke up with me, took it with her and repawned it and all kinds of shit. So it hit really hard. And then, uh, a little bit time after that, um, you know, I was just doing my own thing. I was working a lot. Um, you know, I said, listen, I'm not going to worry about girls. I'm going to work. Um, and I think that developed a lot of my working habits cause it's like, I'm not going to think about anything other than what I'm doing. Um, and I spent a lot of time doing that. And then, you know, I started dating a little bit and dating is a very, very loose term because when you're in that mid range, not really sure where you lie, cell phones aren't huge yet. Um, the internet's not crazy massive yet and you just don't understand where things are. Um, it, it all falls back on how you, uh, try to, try to position yourself and, and talk to people and all that. And I didn't have a lot of practice with, with dating or anything like that. Um, and I was still in that mode. When I said you feel everything, you feel it really deeply. I was very heavy into that. So I'm not going to drop names, but I, I will say I remember um, there was a girl that um, I really liked. Um, and, like, I remember um, – I don't remember exactly where we were, but I, I had hopped in the car with her and we went for a ride somewhere to do something – um, and her music hit me immediately. She wasn't listening to brand new. She wasn't listening to a lot of things that I listened to. Um, but I still connected very quickly to a lot of her songs. Um, and I was like, oh man, this girl listens to like some fucking great music. You know, she's not listening to bullshit music. Like she's listening to good music, you know? So it kind of started the entire trend. And then, um, you know, when the social demographics kind of things kicked into my head, being like, oh, well, you know, this girl's loaded, or her parents are loaded, or whatever it was. She had money. I did not have money. I was not a money kid. You know, her car was, you know, brand new, and, you know, she had all these different things, and I was just not in that boat. You know, so um, it made me sit back and be like, oh, fuck, you know, I'm definitely not, I won't be the permanent person for this girl, and that's a problem, and blah, 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 blah. You know, so constantly I was second-guessing how I kind of uh, uh, was viewed and, and everything else you could possibly imagine. Um, and the song, The Boy Who Blocked His Own Shot, is exactly about that, right? Um, when, you're, when you're thinking about things too heavily and it's, it's all about, you know, oh, I'm not the right person for you, but my own feelings are going to be there to say that I am and blah, 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 blah. It causes a lot of issues, so... Um, we'll play the boy who blocked his own shot because brand new speaks to my soul sometimes after I take a drink of the beer. Let's see if I can do it without fucking it up like the last song. But I'm also really good at that too, though. So 
Uh, I play it differently. That's another thing to be aware of. So I'm going to lower this just a little bit. Let's see if I can move this back. I want to get a little better audio. Uh, let's hear. That sounds good. You're calm and reposed 
Let your beauty unfold Pale white like the skin stretched over your bones Keeps you ever close You are secondhand smoke You are so fragile and thin Staying trial for your sins Holding on to yourself the best you can Your smell before rain Your blood in my veins Call me a safe bet I'm betting I'm not Glad that you can forgive Only hoping as time goes You can forget So that's a boy who blocked his own shot. Um, as you can tell, it's very, very emo, but not in the emo way that most people think. This isn't the, um, you know, hair folded over the face, over one eye, and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, it's not like I want to kill myself, but at the same time, it is like I feel it, and that's what's really fun. So, music. Um it is interesting that there's so much going on when you're younger and that you feel it and that you're so deep. And I think that now that I'm kind of in my mid thirties, um, you have this nostalgia that you feel back to the songs that kind of developed who you are and who you were. Um, and they resonated so heavily and, and you kind of grow out of those feelings. And I, I don't think there's any bands that I felt nowadays that I feel as deeply as I did. Um, and that kind of saddens me. I wish there was a little more music um, that nowadays I was listening to. I'm like, man, I, f- I feel that. Like, that hits a, a core spot. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of that comes from um, stability in life. You know, when you're younger, you don't have the stability you're trying to figure out, and you feel everything so deeply. And as you lose stability, um, or as you gain stability and you lose that past point, a lot of that stuff um, doesn't resonate the same way that it used to. Um, And that's kind of sad to me, I think. Um, You know, you do have those songs that kind of play into the next part of your life. Um, And like Vanessa and I, um, you know, got married and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, she's, she's been fantastic for everything that I've done in my life. You know, she and I have our struggles that you don't hear about them as much when we do our podcasts. Um, it is really funny that most of our struggles, um, come down to, um, self-control. Um, she has this, this habit of just, you know, doing things on a whim. And, uh, some of those things are really good and some of those things are really bad. Um, but either way, it's really interesting that, you know, I, I just watch her go from one thing to, like, an extreme, um, like, I'm going to do this thing all of a sudden, and I'm going to do it, like, really deeply, and then I'm going to disappear from it. Because um, I do that same thing, but I just don't do it the same way. Um, so, like, the song that kind of identified um, early in, in her and I's relationship, and once we actually started dating and all that kind of stuff. I always still play it. I play it all the time whenever I have a guitar and she's around because she will sing. It's one of the few songs she'll actually sing. Um, it's called Hotel Yorba. And um, 
it's written by written by the White Stripes, um, and Jack White. A lot of people kind of write off as a uh, musician, but he's kind of that like mainstream underground at the same time, um, where people know who he is. People know some of the big songs that he's done, but don't realize how deep in music he really is. He is a brilliant, brilliant songwriter. Um, you know, his guitar parts a lot of times are simple but catchy. Um, and a lot of that is not just like, oh, I write music. Like, it's because he actually thinks about it very deeply and understands it. And once you understand it and can implement it, uh, then it leaves an impact. And that's how, how uh, I feel Jack White does his thing. So I'm pull up Hotel Yorba, and I'll do that one real quick since Vanessa and I um, are all about Hotel Yorba. Hotel, I can't see the keyboard, so I'm going off of guesstimation on location of keys. All right, Hotel Yorba. This is, this is a fun song for me. Um, it's simple, it's easy. Um, and I, once again, maybe I just suck at guitar, so I play a lot of simple songs. I don't know. Um, but this is one of those three chord songs. Like it doesn't even get a fourth chord. It just plays the same chord twice. Um, and it's, it's fun because of that. You know, it's one of those things that you can drink a whole lot and still play this song. You only need three chords the entire way through. So, um, yeah, this is Hotel Yorba. <laughs> I was watching With one eye on the other side Had 15 people telling me to move I got moving on my mind I found shelter And some thoughts turned the wheels around I said 39 times that I love you Do the beauty eyes Yeah, I fucked that up already Let's do that again I was watching With one eye on the other side Had 15 people telling me to move I got moving on my mind I found shelter in some thoughts turn wheels around I said 39 times that I love you To the beauty I had found Well it's a one, two, three, four Take the elevator at the hotel Yorba I'll be glad to see you later All they got inside is vacancy I've been thinking Of a little place down by the lake Got a dirty old road leading up to the house I wonder how long it will take Till we're alone Sitting on the front porch of that home Stomping our feet on the wooden boards Never gotta worry about locking the door It's one, two, three, four Take the elevator at the hotel Yorba I'll be glad to see you later All they got inside is vacancy It might sound silly For me to think childish thoughts like these But I'm so tired of acting tough And I'm gonna do what I please Well, let's get married In a big cathedral by a priest If I'm the man you love the most You could say I at least well it's one two three four take the elevator at the hotel your body be glad to see you later all they got inside is vacancy yeah it's a four five six seven grab your umbrella grab a hold of me cuz I'm your favorite fella all I got inside is vacancy so that's hotel Yorba um, you know I think it's beautiful in the simplicity of it is that it is all about what's what's right and what's wrong for your own personal self right it's like i really like you let's get married um and let's go to a place that has room for us um and then at the very end of it it's like grab a hold of me because i'm your favorite because all i got inside is vacancy like 
I got space for you. Join me in that. And that's really fun. So, um, I think that's the last real song that I connected with deeply. Um, and, and maybe there's more songs out there that I don't know that are going to connect me as deeply, um, to kind of what's going on. But like, you know, I kind of need, um, something that, I don't know if there's a gap to fill. I think that might be the problem, you know? Like, I'm pretty content in my home life, you know? The wife is pretty fantastic. The kids um, are overwhelming at times, and they spend a whole lot of time, but, like, they are always genuinely happy to see me, which is pretty fantastic. Like, you know, I know in, in, in past points of my life, there wasn't time when somebody was always happy to see me. You know, it's like, you got to go to work, and in my life, I was a manager for pretty much all of it. Your staff, even though you're the good manager, they're not necessarily excited to see you. You know, they're glad like, oh, I'm glad I have the not shitty manager, but that's not still I'm glad to see you as a person. You know, and eventually, you know, you kind of wear on people and, you know, it becomes a good friendship and stuff like that. But most of the time, it's not, you know, I'm happy to see you, but like kids are always happy to see me, which is fantastic. Um, the wife is always happy to see me, even if it's just because the kids are happy to see me and she <laughs> gets to uh, have a bit of a breather, even if it's for, for a very minimal time. Um, but I think that's that's the uh, difference, is that there's holes that you have to um, understand that are there originally, early on, and you start to fill those holes, and as those holes become you know, um, understood... Um, you know what you need, right? Like some people always refer to baby fever. Like I have baby fever. Like I've got baby fever, blah, blah, blah. You realize that's something that you want in your life. You want a child in that life. And that's um, not necessarily like I'm going to have this child and it's going to fix everything. Like you don't know why you want it, but that's what you want. And that's how um, kind of this last, you know, 10 years of my life has been is that, like, I know I want to be a part of this relationship, and I don't know why, and I know that I, you know, am, am good with having kids, and I don't know why, and, and blah, 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 blah. But, like, I don't sit here and go, like, oh, man. You know, actually, I'll be honest, the worst part of my day is currently the job, is where it's, like, I have to leave the family, and I have to go and do all this stuff, um, and I have to spend all this time away, and I don't get to spend time with the kids, and I don't get to spend time doing stuff that I need um, and even though time away is good, you know, you, you lose out on a lot of stuff that you don't realize until you're not around it, you know. So most of my time, I think, um, is spent losing um, time. And that's where, like, um, I'm three days out from switching jobs. Um, that's roughly. I've got four days, actually, I think. Four days out from switching a job. Um, and that's... <laughs> it, it's crazy um, to say it, but I'm I'm not planning on telling anybody um, in in the restaurant. So my boss knows. I gave my notice. Um, I didn't tell the crew. I didn't tell my assistant manager. I didn't tell anybody. Um, I have enough management coverage right now. I am training a, a shift supervisor to do the job that I do. Um, not really complicated, but I'm like, hey, listen, you got this. I'm I'm gonna go do my thing, right? So she doesn't know, assistant managers don't know. I'm just working my ass off still. Like, I want to make sure that they're well taken care of and that they don't have any issues. But I'm just going to fade into a, a, um, 
you know, just into the in the blue. You know, they're not going to know that I don't work there anymore. Like I've written the schedule out all the way through December, and it's currently November fifth, uh, which I'm going to start uh, via Vendetta after I finish this podcast at you know one in the morning here. Um, you know, but it, it's funny to me that. I still, it's, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm not happy in the position that I am. Um, work used to define me, but now it doesn't. And I need to find the job that does define me. So we're looking to do in the food truck. I've mentioned that in both podcasts and going deep in there. And I think that will solve a lot of my identity crisis I think that I'm having. You know, it's not a midlife crisis or anything like that. Um, but when you identify yourself you have to say like, oh, this is this person who does X. Right now, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I've been the GM of three different restaurants in five years or something like that. Um, but none of them are are the long term for me. I won't retire from any of those. Um, and it's not about retirement; it's about being happy. And I don't think that I've been happy at the restaurants I've been at um, because they don't get it. They don't understand. They used to understand. Um, but nowadays it, it's not a thing that people understand. And I think that if I do my own thing and get the food truck, um, I get working on it, whatever. Like it, it doesn't matter the number of hours that I'm putting in. It matters the quality of those hours. And I think that's, um, really going to help, you know, shift the view for myself and, and help push me into the next, uh, stage of life. And that's what I'm really excited about is the next stage of life, you know, so I don't have too much more to go on this one. It's been really weird to just be the guy talking. Um, you know, I mean, playing music obviously helps out a little bit. Um, but even then, it's not, you know, it's it's just a thing that I do. It's not me anymore. I used to be the guy with the guitar, you know, and I quit being the guy with the guitar. Um, I used to be the guy that was a GM at this place, and uh, that's getting ready to go away again. So... You know, I think even at this point, there is a struggle that people have, and they don't understand it. And if you try to quantify it and you try to say this is why it's even it's even more difficult, I think for me it will be better long term once I can identify with something as as me, other than like you know I have family, I've got a you know I've got I've got a fantastic home life now. Um, and you know, this is really the first time that I can recall in my life that I've had a fantastic home life. Um, and because of that, um, it complicates other areas now because, you know, I used to have a terrible home life, but a fantastic work life. Um, and now that's, it, it's flipped and I'm hoping to get to that point where I have a fantastic home life and a fantastic work life. And if I have that, um, then I have no idea what music I will li- listen to you at that point. I mean, I'm, I guess I'll be listening to, uh, um, like, um, the, um, fuck, I don't know, like, I'm Blue, Dabu Dai kind of shit. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do once uh, both sides match and they make sense. So, um, yeah, this has been uh, Brandon going off solo for a little while just because it's been fun. Uh, really appreciate anybody that's listened, and I hope uh, something has came out of this for you and uh yeah have yourself a good day guys